Are you ready to take your first steps towards financial freedom by investing in property? Maybe you've started your portfolio but need some help continuing to grow. Best-selling property author Lachlan Vidler and the team at Atlas Property Group are here to help. As experts in property investment, Lachlan and his team are ready to help you take your next step in growing your portfolio. By completing the research, sourcing and negotiations, Lachlan goes the extra mile to find you a high-performing investment and set you on your path to financial freedom. Visit atlaspropertygroup.com.au to book in your discovery call, absolutely free of charge. This is a Momentum Media production. Welcome to the Smart Property Investment Show, the podcast by investors for investors. G'day, how you going? Phil Tarrant here. Hope you're well. Host of the Smart Property Investment Show. Trying to navigate this thing called Australian property right now. And no matter where you turn, uh, you're seeing information galore around all the different moving parts uh, that makes this nation as great as it is. Uh, most of it dominated at the moment by uh, what's going on in Canberra and uh, some of the schoolyard antics that is Australian politics uh, right now of people calling people nasty names and I think the most recent thing over the last couple of days is someone pooing their pants and someone smoking a bong and all this sort of stuff. And this is Australian politics as it sits right now as we enter the very important work of electing the nation's leader and political party, which is going to happen in May. Let's hope uh, some of the coverage and some of the uh, conversation actually turns to policy-orientated stuff rather than the bad behaviours of people, the let's say, uh, schoolyard antics that the Australian media feels like it needs to be talking about when it comes to this election cycle. Uh, As it sits right now, I look at it and I scratch my head and just go, this is so far off the mark. But um, I think the parties are starting to work out what their political position is going to be, whether we're going to start seeing some policy positioning. Uh, Are they going to mess around with negative gearing for property investors? I don't think so. Uh, It'd be a pretty hard mark to have a crack at that. Are they going to start messing around with how we pay taxes, potentially? Are they going to try and get some sense for stability for economic growth or inflation? Maybe. Still a long way to go. We're still three and a bit months uh, before we've got to rock up at our local schools and uh, get the ballot paper out and make our choice. But uh, let's just hope that things move on better than where they are right now. I think most Australians, and I like to think of myself as the quiet Australian that um, was referred to in the last election, who doesn't get too bamboozled by the noise and some of the stupidity at the fringes of politics. And remember, what you're reading in the media is typically those people who sit at the absolute fringes of politics. The noisy people normally get the most coverage. Let's remember that. So be sensible. Be considered, vote for who you want to vote for based on what they actually stand for uh, would be my recommendation. I'm completely apolitical. I don't, so I sit straight in the middle and I'm a very broad church. So um, that's my narrative for where we're heading into right now. But um, you'd be safe to assume that uh, the Australian political class is, uh, you know, struggling to get along and uh, trying to work out whether or not they're all on the same team. But uh what I don't want to uh, see painted is that Australians uh, sit in these fringes of politics, that Australians sit there on minority issues. Uh, most Australians want a number of different things. They want to make sure their rice bowl is safe. They want to make sure they can continue to generate income through work opportunities. They want to make sure they still have shelter 
They want to make sure that they still can protect their wealth. They want to make sure that the nation is safe and secure today and into the future. These are the things which are common to all Australians. And I think we'll see a bit of a step change in that type of discussion moving forward. You think that interest rates are going to go up at any point in time based on what you're reading right now, how that's going to play out? Who knows? We'll try and keep across it on the Smart Property Investment Show, try and give some sense to it all. And also the property market, you see different quarters, different people saying different things around uh, there's huge drops ahead of us. Other people are saying it's boom time again for property. There's a whole bunch of people saying, hey, capital cities might not grow at the same speed as what the regional areas do because of the way in which we work and how we work has changed forever. There's all these different things, but there's a whole nother component of this. And I'm not talking about the financing side of things. I'm talking about the renting side of things. You've got to remember that um, we're not a nation of homeowners. Uh, home ownership is available to some, sometimes most Australians. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other Australians who invest in property, uh, but the other cohort of those that rent in property. So this is part of the market dynamics, rent and how it changes, how it evolves, how it manoeuvres in line with um, property market cycles, but often overlooked with like the cover on smartproperinvestment.com.au. And I really want to do a bit of a deep dive into it today, have a bit of a chat about it, where it is, where's the rent cycle at? Because you've got to remember, as property investors, yes, we want our properties to go in value, but we also want to make sure it's making as much money as it can along the go to help pay for the costs of holding that property. And uh, you get that right, it means that if you put more money into your coffers and out of your coffers, you can start poning up a few more bucks and potentially buy another investment property, which is what a lot of investors like to do. I'm going to get stuck into it today. Joining me in the studio, Steve Waters. He's director of Right Property Group. Probably doesn't want to get into politics, but I'll try and pull him in that way. What's your view so far, Steve, on how the election cycle is going? Yeah. Hey, Phil. Good to be back. It's a short version. It's an embarrassment uh, <laughs> is what I actually think it is. <clears throat> I yeah, Get to the policy, please. I, I really don't care yeah, what the bodily functions uh, of yeah, particular people are doing. I just want to know. We're talking about the prime minister. There is where where, <laughs> where the debate is today. Whether or not this whole whole thing about whether or not after the Sharkies lost the grand final, he had a, a small uh, pants orientated incident at Engadine McDonald's. Right, that's where it is right now. And he's rightfully going. Come on, guys, just let's just move on from this. Really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. Is, where it needs to be? is this yeah. really where it needs to be? If that's the the best of what we've got to choose from in terms of you know, who's shaping that narrative, well, then pour us. Like, let's get to the policy and you know, let the Australian public make a decision going forward. Hopefully, it's the right decision. I think we've sort of spoken about before in this podcast. Uh, Australia, one of the many great things about Australia and being Australian is that it probably is one of the purest democracies in the world, Steve. If you think of uh, what goes on in the states uh, and other sort of um, democratic sort of governments, uh, not everyone votes, only a handful, a fraction, and more than a handful, but the significant minority of people do vote. And what happens there is that most people who are politically inclined and actually really care about that sort of stuff are the people that go to polls. So the decision around who is leading a nation or which political party is in power is made by some people, but not all people. In Australia, one of the great things about it, rightfully or wrongfully, it depends how you see it, is that it is compulsory to vote. As in, if you're an Aussie and you're over voting age and you have all the rights of voting, you go and vote, which means that where we land is typically, you know, more reflective of more Australians rather than less Australians. So Let's get to the policy stuff. And if you think of Australia over the decades or hundreds of years that it's been here right now, most Australians want the same thing. They want safety. 
stability, security, prosperity, and stuff that makes living good, right? It's not hard. Uh, I, I agree. And, yeah, if we go back to the last election with, you know, Labor losing the unlosable election, you know, what mm. it showed, I believe, us all is that if you challenge the Australian's entrepreneurial spirit, yeah, then you'll be punished accordingly. So once again, let's get back to the policy. Tell us how it's going to be better for us as the general public so that we can make an informed decision rather than not. And we'll make our vote when it takes place. Now, rents, often the unloved topic of property investment. You normally think about it every six to 12 months when your property manager, if you're doing it yourself, goes, oh, look, you know, we're going to do a review there's a lease renewal. What do you want to do? Normally, the discussion goes something like this, Steve. Mr. Tarrant, your lease is up. What do you want to do? And I go, what should I do? And then they'll give me some assumptions going, things aren't moved. There's a lot of vacancies. Keep your rent where it is. Or they go, it's really hot right now. You should think about increasing it $5. And I'll go, why don't we increase it by $20? And they'll say, if you do that, you'll lose your tenant. And then you won't have anyone in your property for six months. So just do it by $10. And I go, okay. Sort that out. That's mm. pretty much the most discussions we will have around rents. <laughs> the other side of it is when you go to me, oh, what rent are you getting for this place? And I go, oh, it's X. And you go, that's not enough. You should call out your property manager and get in the lift. And I go, yeah, that sort of takes time and it's too hard. Um, and there it is. You know, for a lot of us, is it? it is just to the back of our mind mm. when you know, it's at the very epicenter of our our survivability, potentially our serviceability, and that's that cash flow position. So it's what the property produces for us in line with trying to reduce our expenditure as well. But you know, as you mentioned earlier on, most people tend to concentrate on things such as rates and where they can save a buck as opposed to, well, how about I increase the dollar as well mm. so that I'm hitting it from both sides to get double the effect somewhat. But it's an interesting thing that you mentioned around you get your your property manager will give you a ring and or an email and or communicate with you and say, look, you know, your lease is up, yeah, XYZ123. And I think that's where the problem is for a lot of investors is they're not taking an active approach to their position. Uh, you know, for me and for our clients, you know, to set calendar events two months before your lease ends so you can start to assess the market and then have that interaction with your property manager. Now, nothing against property managers. They're the hardest job in the world, just like, you know, full respect for them. But they've got a lot of things to take care of. And yes, they're your manager and yes, you pay them for the service, but you need to manage the manager. You need to have an integrated and active approach to your half a million, multi-million dollar asset slash business. And that means you can't sit back and wait. You need to be proactive, get on the front foot, ring the agents, two months before your lease is expired and start to assess the market and have that narrative back and forth so that you can act accordingly. And mm. But do your own research. Don't just take it as gospel what the property manager is saying. Yeah, and you've got to challenge them. I always do it. Whether or not they like it or not, I'm not too sure, but they typically sort of move in the right way and, and that might be a bit of a disservice to property managers. You've got to remember they're normally managing a whole bunch of uh properties and a whole bunch of investors and a whole bunch of issues in any given time. So do they always look for the easiest path of uh, course of less resistance? Maybe, but uh, good property managers will lead you on the way. And they're the sort of property managers that you want working with you, those that can really be an asset to you. But there's a fair bit of noise coming out of the moment, Steve, around rents. And this is for those of you who are students of 
property cycles, rent increases always play a part in all cycle and they happen at different times. Um, maybe we can break that down, Steve. How does how does it normally work with rents? Because we've been through it with our smart property investment portfolio where rents come down for a period of time when buying was hot. There was a whole bunch of investing in the market, buying a whole bunch of similar assets, which put negative pressure on rents because property sales were going up. But normally it comes back to an equilibrium where it's about horse for courses. But then it comes to a point where markets are tighter and there's less rentals and therefore rents go up. And that's in some areas the cycle we're in right now, isn't it? It is. And yeah, the cast was stone for what's happening in, I believe, a lot of areas throughout Australia now back in 2017 when APRA pulled the handbrake and and that will didn't allow investors who had the intent but didn't have the ability to borrow money. And mm. as a result of that, they couldn't provide accommodation. And that's just a fact of life. So what we have today is the result of that. Very few buildings, very few based on what is today, investors in the market to supply that accommodation. Now, that's one facet. Obviously, supply and demand, demographics, infrastructure projects, popular shifts and the like, that all plays a part of the entire picture, I guess. But there are definitely areas that are outperforming others that was always going to happen. And there are probably areas that we should start to keep an eye on that if rates do go up, whether it's one blip or 10, will that have an effect on the value of the market in those areas? Mm. And yeah, maybe some really good examples of trends or popular shifts were to the regional areas. And we're seeing exponential growth in terms of not just value, but also the rental income that they produce. Then there's the attached dwellings throughout Sydney, or not throughout, but a lot of areas of Sydney and Melbourne, which have suffered very, very badly in terms of what their rental income in. It may take years to catch up, or could it be the opening of international borders and potentially the flood of immigration into these areas that will absorb that supply? But definitely interest rates and what is being talked about now will definitely have an effect, I believe, over the next couple of years. It's part of the sort of inflation equation as well. When you look at property investment, when you start talking about rents, property investors love it when rents go up. It's good because at, uh, at a P&L level, they're, they're generating more revenue, uh, hopefully for the same expenses, which gives an uptick on, on the bottom line. But the inverse of that is that uh, renters seem to complain a lot and probably rightfully when rents start going up because the cost of living increases. That means they're getting, unless they're getting wage growth, there's more going out every single week on their day-to-day expenses, including rent and fuel and everything else. And they're worse off um, at a sort of net level. So you normally start seeing headlines around it and a lot of noise coming from the sort of affordability equation for rentals. And that can hurt a lot of people. You know, as property yeah. investors, to put in the context sometimes, you might just go, it's only $10 a week. But for a lot of people, $10 a week is a lot of money. Well, it should be a lot of money to you as the investor as well. Mm. You know, it, uh, every well, cent. It's 520 bucks a year, right? Yeah, well, there goes half, you know, there's half of your insurance paid or, you know, mm. whatever it may be, you know, being quite general. But interestingly, you guys covered a story the other day around there was a comedian that asked for a a landlord check or, or something along those lines, you know, a, a rating or, yeah. or whatever it may have been, the background check, if you will, of a particular landlord. And whilst, yeah, that caused commotion and, you know, there were those that were for and there were equally as, as many against that. I read somewhere that the argument was, well, yeah, they do it for Airbnb. They rate, you know, the particular dwelling and and what the experience was like. Could mm-hmm. we actually see that 
for landlords in the future? My guess is no. There's a, a sort of a privacy issue there, maybe yeah. on the house, but not on the individual. But I can see that argument gaining traction, if you will, especially as the argument around affordability, not in the value of the asset, but in the income it produces, therefore the rent. As rents become more and more expensive, there will be different arguments around affordability and rent that come into play. And we may even see some state government legislation change to start to accommodate that over the next 12 to 18 months or thereabouts. Watch of interest to see how that play out. You know, an Airbnb or an Uber driver is pretty transactional, right? Whereas uh, rent is less transactional. Um, at best, people are, so at worst, people are sort of shifting properties every six months. And I would say if you're a property investor and you're getting tenants in and out every six months, that's probably not good business. Uh, that's expensive. It means you're going to have times where there's no one in the property. You're going to have to pay your property manager money to to market it every single six months, it's a massive headache. So if you're in that cycle right now, you probably need to have a deep, deep look at what's going on. If you're on a annualized uh, lease schedule, that's pretty good practice. And you want to keep your tenants in your property as much as possible. Sticky tenants are great tenants. So to get to a point where it's so transactional that people are going, well, this landlord's only got a 4.1 star rating as a, a landlord. I'm not going to choose them. I'm going to choose the 4.2. Guess what? Where it is right now, there's probably 20 other people trying to get that joint as well, depending where you are. There's yeah, some areas. Point. There's some areas of the Central Coast, for example. Uh, I know this for experience because we've got property up there. For the life of love of whatever it is, you can't get a rental up there. It's impossible a house, you know, three, well, four bedroom house. It's, it's bloody hard, mate. They've been lining up. There's yeah. Dutch auctions on them. Well, and that's not a, an exaggeration either. Yeah, we've got plenty of instances up there where, yeah, tenants are. Or potential tenants uh, having that, let's call it a Dutch auction on the front lawn, which is not a very, I mean, on one hand, it's great for the landlord because increasing the cash flow, but it's not good for society that that actually happens. There needs to be that balance so that we don't have the wild peaks and troughs and that everybody does have a roof over their head that they can afford, which, you know, if we go down that rabbit hole, you know, that's where a federal government, state government you know, somewhat enables us via different levers to supply that accommodation for the landlord. But mm. coming back to the point around different rents, different areas and, and how they're performing, there are definitely areas of Australia that over and during COVID have performed remarkably well. And some people would say, well, is it as easy as the attached and the detached dwellings? And it's not that black and white. There are areas that I can think of in the attached dwellings, so we're talking units or townhouses throughout Australia, mm. that have grown remarkably during COVID. Now, these are units, as opposed to the other side of the ledger where some have tanked enormously for all the right reasons, I guess, um, that are always yeah. at that, at the mercy of the different ebbs and flows of oversupply and, and what have you. But it's certainly an interesting market. And for the investor to be able to extrapolate every bit of income out of their position via their assets is absolutely important. And you shouldn't rest on your laurels and just say, well, I've got a great tenant that is paying and I'll keep it very much under market rent. It's great from a, from a social point of view, but you need to survive as well. And this is not a them and us scenario. This is not the evil landlord versus a tenant because there are a hell of a lot of tenants that are also landlords, the rent vesta. It's about finding that, that balanced ground where everybody wins, I guess, is a way to put it. Yeah, no, it's good. And and most of the 
bureaucrats and regulators and, and even the financial markets quite like equilibrium. Everyone wants growth, but no one really wants these huge peaks and troughs, which sort of indicate instability somewhere in the market. And uh, some people trade and benefit from that. Most or some people get burned from it as well. So steady as she goes when it comes to rents is the idea. But there's a story here, Steve, that which is connected with it. Just, I want to get into it. We'll go to the break beforehand. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back in a moment. Looking for a blue chip Gold Coast investment property or trying to relocate to the beautiful sunny Gold Coast but keep missing out on the right properties? Maybe you need an expert on the ground to source the right property for you. The Srama Group are the leading recommended buyers agency specific to the Gold Coast, providing their clients with exclusive off-market property opportunities, specific insights into market, combined with a large network of dedicated professionals to ensure you make the right decision without the hassle. Get in touch with us at thesramagroup.com.au and secure your financial free today. Welcome back, everyone. It's Phil Tarrant, host of the Smart Property Investment Show. I'm with Steve Waters, director at Right Property Group, chatting through rents at the moment. Story here, Steve. This is on smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. Brace for, uh, inverted commas, developing headwinds in 2022. Investors warned, but rents continue to stay strong. Uh, while residential markets are set to continue rising in 2022, Heron Todd White uh, HTW is tempering investors' expectations that the year will replicate the record-breaking price growth seen in 2021, citing developing headwinds. Uh, in its latest month in a review, uh, HTW stated that while the majority of capital city markets are still forecast to record gains, there are downside risks that are beginning to emerge for houses. The reports show that all capital city markets are still on the rise bar Canberra's house market, which the report said has already reached its pinnacle. For units, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth and Hobart are identified as rising markets. Meanwhile, the report named Melbourne and Hobart markets that are on the track to recovery. Canberra was the outlier once more, as the report believes the city's unit market is now on the decline. You read this stuff and you just go, that could be any day, any year in Australian property. You know, mm. there's mm. stuff up, stuff down, there's stuff left, there's stuff right. What's your sort of take on all this? What's your view on the unit market right now? We're talking it from a rental point of view, but um, you know, Aussies have changed how and where they want to live. If you go back 10 years ago, they were thinking that the cities of the nation will be vertical cities, complemented with um, you know, more suburban type streetscapes outside of the capitals, but expect them to grow. Do you reckon it's going to accelerate at the same pace, Steve? Oh, look, I don't think so, but it's an interesting point because you know, it's very general commentary. And you're going back to my point around how some units, and we'll just we'll zone in on that, have done extremely well during COVID, not just in terms of their asset value, but also their rental growth. <clears throat> so you you try rent a property as an example, or a two bedroom unit, one bedroom unit, whatever it may be, on the northern beaches of Sydney, like you can't get it. The growth has been enormous, as you mentioned, parts of the central coast because there's an over overarching demand there for accommodation and houses growth in terms of their, and we're talking about cash flow here, have, have grown enormously. The spillover into the attached market has also been, I don't know, the the gain as well. But then if we started to look at inner city stuff in that over overbuilt areas, I'll mention Zetland as an example. Well, you know, they're struggling and will probably continue to do so. I think that the big missing piece out of all of this 
and I'm now I am being generous like most others, is will the equation change if and when and how much of the international's borders open? How many people will we see as an influx into our major cities to start to absorb some of that oversupplied unit market where it exists? Because no matter what anybody thinks, residential real estate absolutely has a commercial overlay to it somewhat. And that is that the cash flow it produces, the more it produces in the right areas, the more valuable it is to the individual, whether it be the the owner or the, the landlord or whatever it may be. So it tends to, just like a commercial premises, have a bearing on its overall value proposition. As to is it when the rents are tanking, the commercial overlay kicks in as well and the asset value could drop because it goes hand in hand with oversupply and I, and I don't want to, so to speak, in terms of the asset itself. So making sure that you're actually in tune with the market and extrapolating all of that cash flow that you're entitled to because the market says you are actually enhances your position. Now, enhances your position may not be the ability to buy again, but it could be something as simple as survivability. So if rates go up, will rents rise in some areas at the same rate as the expenditure on the increased interest rate, if that makes sense? My analogy is yes. You know, Our modelling shows that yes, in certain areas, we'll be in the same play. If rates went up by well, half a percent to three quarters of a percent, maybe even a little bit more tomorrow, well, the rents have grown equally, if not more than that, over the last two to three years. So the position would be similar to that of two to three years ago where we were happy. Yeah. We were ecstatic of the situation we were in. So it is that gap that we're we're monitoring between income and expenses, whether rates go up, down, or sideways in line with rent. Yeah, yeah. And looking at rent, um, there's a story here on smartprintinvestment.com.au, Steve, sort of complimenting the other one. Uh, overall rental seekers across the nation broke January records. Prop track reports that the average views per rental listing smashed a new high in January 22, 22, indicating that the rental market will likely continue to tighten over the course of the year. Over the past five years, the national average of views per rental listing has ranged from a low of 847 in December 2019 to a high of 1,635 in January 2018. January often sees peaks due to seasonal flow, but January 2022 exceeded all expectations, Steve, with an average of 1,962 views, the highest on prop tracks record. So look at those numbers. 2018 was pretty high, halved in the same time in 19. And now January 22, it's higher than it was uh, in January 2018. So uh, REA Group Economists uh, Anne Flathery explained why this metric is not only useful for understanding the market, but also a great predictor of a market's true trajectory. You can go and read that story at smartprotinvestment.com.au for more info. But more punters are looking at investment properties to rent. And now there's got to be two reasons for that, to really simplify this stuff. There's more people now than what there was beforehand and the same number of investment properties. So therefore more views and more people want to rent it. Or there's the same number of people, but less investment properties for rent. And that's a really simple way of looking at it. But the intent to rent is higher than what it was beforehand. Now, pretty base those numbers because we don't know where those properties are located. I reckon there's certain properties in certain areas of the capital cities where they've probably been listed for two or three months and no one's looked at them. And what I'm talking about there are these huge high rises with 
two, three, four hundred properties in them, right? With no real difference between them all. But there's other areas which have a lot more rental appeal. Is it worth even trying to make sense of these sort of numbers, Steve? Oh, look, I think it's important that you do try to make sense of them, but you've also got to be quite broad in your approach. So some of the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, there's less investment properties than there are people looking for them. Well, that makes sense. You know, there's been a lot of people that have transitioned from one area to another, uh, whether it be the work from home scenario, people, expats coming back in to the country and, and what have you being very general, of course. And then there's also the fact that we haven't built a hell of a lot over the last investment properties, that is, over the last, call it 2017 onwards. But there's certainly a transition of populace into certain areas. So take Brisbane as an example, the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. The amount of people that have left Melbourne and somewhat Sydney to move there is is massive. Will we see a reversal in that in terms of the population shift as the borders open? Absolutely. You'd probably see an influx into Melbourne and and its surrounds as, as well as Sydney, potentially not so much Brisbane and maybe other parts of the country as well. So it is a supply, in it's simple equation, it's supply and demand, but also you could argue emerging trends of where people are moving to. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of subsets there. And actually another one comes to mind, people that have cashed out of their principal place of residence or whatever it may be, and they've decided to rent. It can be as simple as that. And whilst that's not a data point, it's actually factual in terms of what we see on the ground. The amount Mm. of people that have taken the money and run it, they can't find their upsized or downsized new property, so they're renting until there's a better time in the market to purchase. And Again, there's so many moving parts of this sort of stuff, so try and make some sense to it. Uh, There's another story here, Steve, I want to get into. We've got another break, uh, everyone. Uh, Back in a moment. The mark of financial success isn't about getting bigger, better, faster, or more. To Paul, success is freedom. Freedom to spend more time with his family, or giving back to his community, or just more time to go surfing. Paul Glossop, an award-winning property buyer and regular guest on the Smart Property Investment Podcast, has taken the lessons he's learned building a multi-million dollar property portfolio and laid them out in his best-selling book, A Surfer's Guide to Property Investing. For a limited time, get your free copy of Paul's award-winning book and receive a roadmap for building both lifestyle and wealth through property investing. Grab your free copy today at purepropertyinvestment.com. Welcome back, everyone. Phil Tarrant, host of the Smart Property Investment Show with Steve Waters from Rock Property Group. Steve's story here. And again, this is one market, if you ask most property investors, it probably doesn't jump to the top of mind when they think about uh, investability in this cycle. Uh, smartpropertyinvestment.com.au, property market update, Melbourne, January 2022. So this is a couple of weeks ago. Melbourne rang in 2022 by hitting a major milestone in January. His house values in the city broke through the six-figure threshold for the first time. Talking about strong demand coupled with low listings, gave the city a shot in the arm after closing in the red in December. Uh, January, one of the slowest months for home sales, which were a capital received a boost from large volumes of buyers who made their moves early and had to compete for a small number of listings available. So not a lot of listings down there. What's your read right now? This story is on smartprotinvestment.com. You go and check it out. It's lots of info in it. It's a really long piece, uh, heaps of good data from a whole bunch of people. Steve, can you give me a, your summation of Melbourne right now? Are you guys active down there at the moment? Yeah, we are. Uh, We're very selective, as we are in all areas. But Melbourne's quite fickle. It did have very, very low listings 
in that January, but before that, the market was red hot. And I'm being general because mm. there's markets within markets and more so around the detached dwelling, so the house, the freestanding house. And the growth has been very, very good. But what it hasn't happened has seen the rental growth that other areas across Australia have had. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that there's been a pretty big exodus from Melbourne and its surrounds uh, in combination with the fact that their lockdowns are well-known worldwide, and it, it's a little bit on the nose, I guess, but they did go into it oversupplied once again. So that had to be absorbed, whereas areas like Brisbane is through the roof, areas of Perth, very strong, Adelaide, ACT, Hobart, just about every other state and territory major centres, regional and metropolitan have seen very, very good growth in terms of the rental, but Melbourne hasn't. Mm. To be fair, though, traditionally, Melbourne's not a strong yielding area as well. I mean, until you get to some of those sort of strong regional areas, it's not traditionally a strong yielding area. And so the big question is that if the rates rise, at what point is that tipping scale where Melbourne then doesn't become as attractive as it has been or it is because the yields are starting to compress? Mm. And the other question is, will we see Melbourne state government and Sydney state government start to jockey for the lion's share of immigration to booster the bottom line? So there's a lot of moving parts there. And I guess it comes down to everybody's clearly everybody's own unique circumstances. But are you a are you a growth investor? Are you a cash flow investor? Or are you a combination of both? Because that will have some bearing on the outcome. Yeah, it's a good point, Stephen. I think you've got to work out who you are. And and no doubt a lot of that will be where you are in your investing cycle. If you're new to it and you're young, uh, you're probably going to be looking for capital growth with an eye towards cash flow. Whereas at the other end of your investing journey, you're probably more thinking about cash money. So um, you work that out and that should shape and dictate how you are investing. But uh, a whole bunch of ways you can go about doing that. Uh, thankfully, you, you're listening to the Smart Product Investment Show. Uh, hopefully, it's helping you out. Uh, doing what you're doing. Steve, what most excites you about property at the moment before we are, I round out? Give me the one thing that you go, property's cool. That makes you remind you that <laughs> property's cool. Uh, look, for me, it, it's it's just a necessity. So whether mm. the, the market or more importantly, the sentiment is up, down or sideways, mm. I just think there's always an opportunity, always has been, always will be. And it is just the necessity of life. And that's shelter. And I know that's you know, well-worn phrase throughout the industry, but it's a fact. So whilst we are at the the beck and whim of, of policy and, and the credit ecosystem, the fact that it's always going to be a necessity will never change. Well said. Uh, that's Steve Waters, Director of Right Property Group. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone, uh, having a chat around property, uh, what's going on at the moment. Uh, Use this if you want one sort of key takeaway. Um, if you are a, an investor, use this as an opportunity to go and have a look at your rents right now. Are they in market? If you don't know, call up your property manager. If you don't have a property manager, call a property manager. Ask them. I'm sure they'll be happy to chat to you because they'll probably want your business. But um, use it as a chance to do a sense check. Uh, make sure you're in the market. Uh, you don't want to be the most expensive because that might force someone to move on. You don't want to be the cheapest either because you're not getting the maximum uh, yield out of your property. What you want is continuity as a property investor, uh, making sure that those dollars are coming in the door at that revenue line, which really helps out a more positive PL. Uh, remember, smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please favor for me if you like what we're doing. 
And I know all of you who are out there listening, and I ask you all the time, uh, quick favour, uh, please keep those reviews coming. Uh, helps out quite a lot with us in terms of uh, more people seeing this podcast and our team get a real kick out of those positive feedback. Uh, you can find us on social media. That's how I get your info. Smart Property HQ. See you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. Leverage the power of your super with an investment loan through your self-managed super fund. Our expert brokers can help you invest in residential or commercial property through your super, even if you don't have the funds to buy an investment property outright. At Finney Mortgages, we have access to lenders who specialize in loans for self-managed super funds, so we can maximize your loan amount and get your loan approved faster. To secure your financial future, book a call with an experienced Finney broker. Head to finney.com.au. That's F-I-N-N-I.com.au today.